Chris Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu. Wind, 060 at 5. Seriously, it's Mike Juliet, this is Archer Radar Contact. Hazardous weather information from Minnesota available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast. Connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So happy you're able to join us. On this episode, we're joined by Liz Cayley. Aviation Technical Analyst with Jefferson. She's one of the main writers behind the popular aviation training materials, Guided Flight Discovery. She talks to us about her role with Jefferson, how she gets started, and what they have in store for the future. And as always, news and events from around the region with some friendly hangar talk along the way. So strap in and let's take off into this episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Jim. Welcome, everyone, to the Flying Midwest Podcast. We're so glad to have you. Maddie's not glad to have you. She's making a face. No, my brain just went... <laughs> I was going to say something, and then my brain forgot English. So, uh-huh. no. Okay. We know you have many choices in podcasts, so thank you for choosing Flying Midwest Podcast. <laughs> that would be aboard. a hilarious... Si- yeah, welcome aboard. <laughs> there was a controller who kept saying welcome aboard whenever somebody got on frequency the other night. It was hysterical. Seriously? Yes! <laughs> who just say... Oh, uh, United uh, 1233, welcome aboard. <laughs> contact, welcome aboard. It was so funny. <laughs> I like when controllers have fun. You ready to do this? We got an exciting episode coming up. Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, I'm so excited. You want to talk about Liz for a second? I would love to talk about Liz for a second. Let's hear it. As you may have heard through me talking about it or... The last episode. The last episode. <laughs> This episode, we are pleased to bring on Liz Cayley, who works for Jeppesen. She is the head of the entire flight training department, and she is single-handedly responsible, for the most part, for the Glided Flight Discovery books, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. She is- Me. (laughs) Yeah, me included. And she has decades of experience in aviation. We're excited to hear her passion for what she does. Just a minute. One point of order before we get to the interviews, as we do the news and events- Trevor's out flying around once again. He will join us in the interview with Liz. We'll see you around, Trevor. So guess what I did today, Maddie? Jim, what did you do today? I met up with the Badger pilot. Oh my god! So we talk about him an awful lot on here and just the great support that he gives us as a podcast. I want people to know he is a real person. We don't just make him up like some like fictional character, the Badger pilot, um, <laughs> to, to boast that we've got a fan. Um, Andrew is a real guy. He's super awesome. And I had a great opportunity to sit down and chat with him for a little bit this afternoon at my hangar. He was in town and was gracious enough to take a few minutes of his day to come hang out. Oh, that's so fun. And guess what we did? What did you do? Not only did we take a picture, he indulged me in a little bit of an interview. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, I talked to him for a few minutes. So we're going to play that right now. 
All right, I am here with Andrew, the Badger Pilot. So I want to first of all thank you for being patron number one on our Patreon page. Um, Andrew's actually in town in Minnesota for a hockey tournament with his kids, so we've had the opportunity to meet each other now face-to-face, -face, right? Yeah, absolutely. Nice to finally get together. Yeah, this is awesome. So, yeah, we appreciate, like, from the get-go, you've been, like, one of our biggest supporters, and we are so appreciative of, like, when you comment and stuff like that. So we really appreciate your support and everything you've been for us. So it's it's been awesome. Yeah, well, I've, I've been happy to do it. I love the content. It gives me something to listen to on the way to work every day. So Glad to hear it. So you have a YouTube channel under the name Badger Pilot, right? Yep. Um, so what do you got going on on the channel? It's basically just following me around flying. If anything exciting happens, I'll throw it. And if it's a boring flight that I don't think anybody will watch, I'll just delete all the video and, you know, Uneventful flights are good things for us. Yeah, right. Uh, but if something interesting happened, I had a runaway trim on a recent flight, so that made a video. Okay. Um, any Anytime I get a decent flight in IMC, you know, cloud surfing always makes for a good video. Yeah, for sure. But I started filming just because I had a lot of, we'll say, precautionary landings, one borderline emergency, and I thought, well, maybe... You know, for four or five precautionary landings in 150 hours, that seems like a lot. Maybe some people would want to watch this, so I just threw a GoPro on the plane and went with it. Okay. And how long have you been doing that now? I've been, well, let's see, shortly after getting my instrument ready, so not that long, about three or four months. Okay, so pretty fresh then. Yeah. Okay. And did I see a video where you fly into Oshkosh, except for it's not during your adventure? Um, with I remember who you were flying with. It was Flying Stampede. I was flying with Flying Stampede. Ed Bissero okay. from Flying Stampede, who has been on your show. Yep. Uh, yeah, we flew in at night. Uh, the FBO was locked. We had to find our way in. You know, typically use the CTAF for yeah, correct. that. And, uh, yeah, we went to Friar Tux because that's what you got to do for Oshkosh. Right. Yeah. Even if it's not during your adventure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is an airport the other 50-some weeks out of the year. Right, so. right. Now, I not that people forget that, but I mean, it's still an airport that gets used, so. Right. Tell us about your uh, journey to BCFI. We're both learning how to fly from the right seat right now. How's your... That's that's a great question. Um, so, since the last time I posted that I was flying in the right seat, my plane has been down for annual. So, I'm not going to the right seat again since. Uh, but I've had a lot of time to work on, like, the FOI stuff. So, I'm going to get ready to... I think I'm just going to schedule the test and just go take it. Sure. <laughs> the best way to do it, get it out of the way. Yeah, the way that I feel about every rating I've ever done, I'm never ready for the test in my own mind. So if I just schedule a test and I study like crazy, then I'm typically all right. Um, I mean, I, I know the content, but you know how it is sometimes. It just, I'm my own harshest critic. So there's times like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, but I'm probably going to be fine. I just have to go take the test. So yeah, I'm working on that. And I just started writing my first uh, lesson plans um, pre-flight. And I, I realized as I was writing that, that there's a lot of like aircraft lingo and things that we just take for granted because we all know what it is. But when you have to really break it down to a student level, like when we're, where we all started, because there's things I'm trying to explain to my instructor and she's she's a great actor in this regard. Well, what does that mean? What is this? And she's asking really good questions that are like, yeah, I, I have to dumb it down. Let, yeah, I have to dumb it down a little bit just to help people understand the things that we just commonly know. That's part of being an instructor. So that's... That's been a little bit of a challenge, just taking for granted what we we know in the common lingo and just breaking it back down to the lowest level. Sure. Yeah, it's like explaining it to a kid. Yeah. And you know, take an eight-year-old flying for the first time and try and explain them what flaps are. Well, and it's weird, too, when it's the CFI that you started flying with is now running you through CFI. Looking across the 
the cabin of the plane and seeing her over there asking these questions. I'm like, it was, it was a little surreal, <laughs> but it was, she's really good. She's got really great questions that she asked and I'm, I'm very fortunate to be learning from her. So I say that in case she's listening and I can suck up a little bit for the next lesson. She'll be a little lighter on me. Well, there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Well, I really appreciate you coming down to the beach house here in my hangar. Um, we'll snap a couple pictures and put it on the social media so that people can see that um, the Badger pilot is a real person that we didn't make up. Um, and we're like, he's a super fan. Like, who is this? He doesn't exist. So photographic evidence. I appreciate that. So everyone will check out his YouTube channel because there's some pretty cool stuff on there. So, and I hope to see more cool stuff in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I hope to have uneventful flights that don't turn into <laughs> cool videos. So. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. That's really cool. Yeah. Love stuff like that. Yeah. So thank you again, Andrew. It was awesome for you to come out. I really enjoyed talking to you. And if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, go check that thing out. He's uh, starting to put out more content. He's only been at it for a few months, but uh, he's got some pretty neat stuff already. Go check him out. You know, speaking of Andrew, he's actually someone very special to the podcast. Not only is he just a fan, but he's also our number one patron. Patron number one. The very first one. Go follow us on Patreon for loads of exclusive content goofy pictures, and weird blog posts. Oh, uh, we're... That in. Oh, no, no. We're going backwards here. Let's talk about these blog posts, Maddie. What's the plan with this? So, back in ye olden times of 2019, I actually had a blog that detailed my private pilot and kind of instrument commercial training. I went through there. I dug through it. I brought it from back from the ashes. And it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured we would kind of put it in a format and post it on the Patreon as exclusive content for you. I like it. Resurrecting from the ashes like a phoenix from the archives of Maddie's blog. <laughs> yeah. We you know what else we're going to do with the Patreon? What are we going to do with the Patreon, Jim? Before the release of this episode, I actually launched the first version of this. It's a throwback to some of the original content we did on the podcast with This Week in Aviation History. Ooh. So I'm going to do just a, like once a week, we'll do a little vlog of sorts that just highlights some things that are of historical note of This Week in Aviation History. And we'll throw that on the Patreon as well. Anyone can see it right now on our Facebook and Instagram, but going forward in the future, that will be exclusive content for all of our patrons. It looks really good. I actually, I actually watched it. I did. Oh, thanks for actually watching some of our content, Maddie. Another couple of things that we'll be doing with the Patreon page is having some exclusive blog and vlog posts. I plan on doing some chronicling of my CFI journey. Uh, there's one post on that already on the Patreon. And we'll also grab some video at events and things like that throughout the summer and post that content there as well. So, so if you're not already a patron, um, a lot of great stuff that we're going to put out there. It's a great way to support our podcast and help us create the content that we bring to all of you. Uh, there are four different membership levels. There's $3 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, and $20 a month. And each of those have different perks and rewards. So check out the Patreon page for more information on that. Link in the show notes. So now that we got that out of the way, should we jump into some news and events, Maddie? I think so. Over there, over there in the Badger Pilot State from Madison, Wisconsin, the Dane County Humane Society welcomed over 20 dogs to Wisconsin on Monday as part of the Dog is My Co-Pilot program. These dogs 
flew all the way from Texas, hoping for new homes in the Midwest. Officials say that the animal shelters in Texas, this area of Texas, were experiencing extreme overcrowding, and the dogs there were at risk for euthanasia, which is unfortunately a very common thing in the South. The staff at the Humane Society said they are hoping the community will help the animals find forever homes. There are very cute pictures that maybe we'll post about the dogs and little crates in the back of the airplane. Um, Of the 80 dogs that are flown to the Midwest, um, they came in on a caravan. The Dane County Humane Society is set to receive up to 24, and the rest are headed to shelters in Minnesota. It seems like they use a caravan for their shipping. Fit a lot of dogs in the back of one of those. And this is a really cool program. I think. That's cool. Let's talk about the efforts at the Jonglen Airport to work on preventing bird strikes. So recently at the Jonglen International Airport in Columbus, Ohio, they had a plane that had to return after striking birds. That aircraft was an American Airlines flight that was heading from Columbus to Arizona and was forced to make an emergency landing after bird strike and engine fire. Bird strikes, though not a common occurrence, they do happen, and airports tend to be a spot where birds tend to migrate and just be around. So the Columbus Regional Airport Authority has taken action to help mitigate that issue by using things such as pyrotechnics, propane cannons, scare devices, and other means to control the wildlife in and around the airport that present safety hazards. So for those of us in and around the Midwest, it is currently nesting and mating season for geese. This does present an increased level of their activity. So make sure that you're watching out for migratory waterfowl in the vicinity of the airport. That's what they say on my hiatus all the time, so I figured I'd just repeat it to all of you. So, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not the only one. Caution: birds in the vicinity of the airport. Yep. Gee, I'm sure. It's, <laughs> it's the season, folks. So, not just the big planes, but us too, and general aviation. <laughs> Keep an eye out for those birds. Down to uh, my neck of the woods, the uh, Airline History Museum, which is formerly known as Sabacani has been locked out of its hangar facility at Charles B. Wheeler Downtown Airport in Kansas City since last fall. So this is resulting due to a dispute with Signature Aviation, which is the FBO there, um, and it believes that they have control over the facility, despite a 2005 master lease agreement with the city of Kansas City, who guaranteed that uh, the museum could use these hangars through 2035 rent-free. However, a district court ruled against the museum in a case filed last year, and uh, the Airline History Museum believed that the court ruled an error and is currently appealing this. They were hoping for the best, of course, in this, and the case should come back before the Missouri Court of Appeals later this spring. The Airline History uh, Museum president, John Roper, said they fully expect to win this appeal, and, but ultimately, the City Council of Kansas City has jurisdiction over the downtown airport and use of all the land it comprises. So hopefully that the city will honor this 2005 master lease agreement um, because this museum has a lot of really cool history um, and it, it deserves to be preserved. A lot of the aircraft can't be moved, um, according to some sources. Kansas City was once the home of Transworld Airlines, which is cool, something I didn't know before. Um, so clearly this played a vital role in aviation history. <clears throat> they have a Lockheed Constellation airliner along with some really cool other aircraft, um, including a Martin 404 and a Lockheed L-1011 TriStar. Um, but because of this uh, dispute, unfortunately, um, these aircraft have not been able to be taken care of since last fall because the, um, the museum curators are actually locked out of it. Because these aircraft require special care to keep in decent condition, I do hope that soon this gets resolved so that they can keep bringing history to the masses. 
I'd like to talk about some airport funding that's going to be received in North Dakota. Awesome. So there's been an announcement that the FAA has awarded uh, just over $2.4 million in infrastructure improvements across the state of North Dakota. Uh, it looks like it's going to go between eight or so different airports, uh, the first of which being the Jamestown Regional Airport. They'll get just over $700,000 to rehabilitate taxiways, several GA aprons, and some taxi lanes. The Linton Municipal Airport will get $300,000 to reconstruct 1,700 feet of existing access road. Standing Rock Tribe Airport will get $223,000 to construct a 400-square-foot terminal building, which will include a pilot briefing area for flight planning and coordination. And there's some other airports on the list as well that will get access road uh, reconstruction as well as some taxi lane improvements. Like seeing some money going to airports to fix things up and keep things operational. I think that's all the news. Awesome. Jim. I oh, think yes, Manny. I think you might have some events for us. Is that correct? I always have some events for us. Should we jump into it? More pancakes. There's some right. pancakes. Let's take off into some events because I wanted to use an aviation pun. Let's start off with next weekend, Saturday, May 6th from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's the 8th annual Breezy Point Aviation Day in Breezy Point, Minnesota. They plan on having a military flyover, some static aircraft display, including some medevac helicopters, and they'll have lunch and drinks served as well as pilot and friendly social. More information on that event is available at www.breezypointairport.com. Our next event is the air show at Scott Air Force Base on May 13th and 14th. This event will feature the United States Navy Blue Angels, Team Red Bull, DC-17 West Coast Demo Team, and so much more. Gates for this event open at 9 a.m. and close at 5 p.m. each day. More information is available at scott.af.mil forward slash airshow. Coming up next on May 19th and 20th, the 2023 TBM Avenger Reunion and Salute to Veterans. This event takes place in Peru, Illinois at the Illinois Valley Regional Airport. You can see these warbirds make history come alive and honor our veterans at this fun event. Hours for Friday will be 11 a.m. until 10 p.m., with air show times from 1 to 4 and 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. And on Saturday from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m., with air show time of 1 a.m. to 4 p.m. More information at tbmreunion.org. Our next event is also the weekend of May 20th. On May 20th, you can partake in the Wausau Downtown Airport Armed Forces Day. The event starts at 9 a.m. and there will be free breakfast for the first 200 people registered for the event. They'll also feature remote control and aircraft demos, as well as static aircraft display, including a National Guard Black Hawk helicopter and the Minnesota wing of the Commemorative Air Forces B-25 Miss Mitchell. To learn more or to pre-register for this event, you can go to www.learnbuildfly.org. And there's one more event that weekend I want to talk about, because I'll probably be there. The Great Minnesota Aviation Gathering. This is the annual gathering of the Minnesota Pilots Association and will take place at the Buffalo Municipal Airport in Buffalo, Minnesota. You can check out a number of interesting hangar flying presentations, check out the exhibit hall, and catch up with your fellow Minnesota pilots. The hours for the event are Friday, May 19th from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and then again on Saturday, May 20th from 8.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. If you want more information on that event, you can check that out, mnpilots.org forward slash gmag. And I think that will take care of our events for May. You don't want to say anything like, it's going to be May? It's going to be May. <laughs> Thank you.
Well, with our news and events out of the way, should we get into this episode's featured guest? Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so excited. I think I've said that like 80 times, but my excitement knows no bounds, especially when it comes to Liz. Yeah, Liz is pretty awesome, and I really think you're going to enjoy this interview with her. It's hard not to be like super enthusiastic about airplanes after talking to her. Well, let's stop talking about it and let's jump into the interview. Welcome, Liz, to the Fly Movements Podcast. Um, well, I am Liz Cayley. Uh, I work for Jeppesen slash Boeing. Um, I actually started at Jeppesen uh, 28 years ago in the aviation training department, and I write pilot training. And so that's kind of me in a in a nutshell. Um, and I have 100% read your work. So thank you for that as I've worked through my ratings. Oh, well, so, I appreciate that very much. Um, thank you for supporting our pilot training. So with each episode, we like to start off with a rapid fire series of questions to get everyone all warmed up and uh, put you on the spot a little bit. Um, we, I'll be honest with you. We, we do judge your answers just a little bit. <laughs> Um, but Jim, this, me. this is still somewhat of a safe space here. <laughs> okay. So are you ready for our fast five questions to get started? Yes. How fast do I have to answer them? Um, well, tip of the we tongue. Don't, we don't have a real clock in front of us. Um, all right. So first question, if you could buy any airplane, what would it be? Uh, Cirrus SR-22. Ooh, Cirrus. Turbo. That's the first. She's good at this. Um, okay. Oh, I, I, I've been thinking for thinking about it for a long time. So, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, if I had, well, I guess you could say buy any airplane. I, I'm talking about an airplane that I would enjoy flying every day and that I know how to fly. Okay. So that that would be the Cirrus SR22. Um, I, I think it's just a fabulous airplane. I, I went to Duluth to get my Cirrus instructor. Uh, certification and rope Cirrus training and I just I love the airplane I think it's super comfortable um love how it flies love how it handles so yeah that would be my airplane of choice question number two what is your personal favorite airport I haven't been there in a long time but I'm gonna have to say Ames Municipal Airport in Ames Iowa and the reason I say that is because that's where I learned to fly. Where I did my first solo and where I got my private pilot certificate. And I was flying, doing my training at HAPS Air Service, which actually is still there. And so, yes, oh uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ames. Funny. All right. Ames it is. Question number three. Who is your most memorable passenger? My most memorable passenger. <laughs> I don't know if I could even answer that. I guess I would say this isn't just a one-time thing. So this isn't like a you know one-time passenger that I had that was really memorable. This is actually a student, and it would be my son. Um, I taught my son Johan to fly. Oh, cool! And so he was initially. I would say my most memorable passenger because he has been flying with me ever since he was a mm -hmm. baby, um, ever since he was a year old, but didn't start taking lessons until he was about 15. And I did all of his training and and he got his certificate when he was 17. 
So passenger and then slash student. That's cool. All right, so question four. Um, we're going to go with a place you haven't been, but what would be your dream flying destination? Dream flying destination. You know, that is actually something I have never thought about. Uh, we asked the hard questions here. Yeah, you are asking, <laughs> you are asking a hard question. <laughs> to be honest with you, but, as I sat down to prep for this episode tonight, um, I asked my daughter to come up with the fast five questions tonight. So you can blame my 12-year-old for the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go for something. This isn't something I've thought about, so I, I'm, I'm just off the top of my head. I'm going to say New York City. I like to fly into... Uh, LaGuardia or JFK. That would be cool. I, that would I just be like, so cool. First of all, I love New York just in general. Um, I've flown Me too. once around that area back when you used to be able to fly kind of down the Hudson. Um, never been into obviously one of those airports, but uh, I, I would love to go back and fly into one of those airports in New York. Good answer. <laughs> yes. I think that's a great answer because of the fact that uh, I used to live out in Brooklyn, so I'm, I'm oh, pretty familiar with that area, and I miss it. My dream it's is quiet. to go do the Hudson, because you can still do the Hudson. You can't do the uh, the East River. So the final question, um, and my favorite question of this, this is not one my daughter wrote. We ask this to everybody. <laughs> if you could meet with and talk with one aviator, dead or alive, who would it be? <laughs> Captain Jefferson. Oh, Lee. nice. He's he's a pioneer. I mean, yeah. And so I met him once, and she was walking through the building. I've worked at Jefferson since 1994, um, and he died in 1996, I believe. And I, you know, it was a passing by kind of thing. Walking through our department, didn't talk to him. Of the whole building is Jefferson, Jefferson statue, Jefferson um, statue at the airport, Jefferson terminal at Denver International Airport. Um, yeah. you well, know, he founded the entire company that I work for, and yeah, absolutely a pioneer. You know, Jefferson had his little black book that he kept all his notes in, and you know, in essentially invented the charts for everyone that for around the world now. I mean, yeah. so the reason that I'm a part of all that is that Jefferson, the company, bought Sanderson, which was aviation training, way back in 1974, and combined, and it used to be called Jefferson Sanderson. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to sit down with him, um, thank him, talk to him about, you know, his history and how he founded the company. Yeah, that that's who, that's who I would meet with. Fantastic answer. I agree. Well, thank you for playing along with our uh, Fast Five questions. So with that out of the way, um, we'll just jump into the actual interview itself then. So uh, tell us about your background in aviation. I started flying when I was 16. So I grew up in Spencer, Iowa, um, relatively small town in Iowa. Are you guys familiar with Spencer at all by Lake Okoboji? I've flown over it a time or two. 
it's kind of like a little resort area in Iowa. We have Lake Okoboji and Spirit Lake, which we used to call Fun Lakes. And Spencer is the town that is near that area in Spencer, Iowa. You know, after school, that's what people did, athletics. And I tried out for every sport known to mankind, and I was horrible at all of them. My dad had started taking flying lessons, something he was always interested in. And he brought home his books, and those were the precursor to the books that I write right now. Um, they were actually the Cessna series books, but Jeppesen wrote them and published them. I started looking at those, and I thought, okay, this looks like something that I'm interested in. This is like looks like something I can do. Uh, and so I started taking flying lessons, and mainly because I wasn't good at sports, really what it boiled down to. And turned out I was pretty good at flying. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I got my pilot certificate when I was 18, my first year in college in Ames, Iowa. And at that point in time, hadn't thought about it for a career. Um, I didn't know anybody that was a career pilot. I didn't necessarily think that that was the path that I was going to take. And I wanted to be an artist. So I actually went to school for graphic design. Cool. And a lot of the things that I did in graphic design, because I loved aviation, I uh, had aviation type theme to them, a lot of the samples and things I put in my portfolio. Uh, but I never really thought about how those two things might come together later on in life. I moved out to Colorado and I was looking for a job as a graphic designer. I actually found a job as an illustrator, and a week after I got that job, I broke my wrist. Oh, and I couldn't draw. Couldn't draw. And that's back when everything was done by hand. Oh, but I man. could still fly. I had I had a brace on my wrist, but I could still fly. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to go on, and I'm going to. At that point in time, I had my instrument rating, my private and certificate in instrument rating. I thought I'm going to go on and get my commercial certificate and went out to the local airport at Centennial Airport. Oh yeah. Denver, and start working the airport. I was working the, the desk dispatch for Wings of Denver Flying Club. And I thought, wow, look at all these people flying and you know, they're going to do this for a living. And so I got my commercial certificate, got my flight instructor certificate and kind of the rest is history. And I bought, I'm a fly full-time. That's what I'm doing. And I taught full-time for four years. Uh, I was an assistant chief instructor at the 141 school there. And then I got a job with the commuter airline out of Shadron, Nebraska. Anybody remember GP Express? I've, <laughs> I've heard of it. I mean, GP Express turned into United Express. Um, but I had met my husband flight instructing. We were both flight instructing at Wings of Denver at the same time. And now we're both flying for a living. So I'm flying out of Shadron. He's flying out of Denver. He was working for a charter company where you literally flew to more destination. And then you sat at that destination and stayed there until you got your next flight. And so it's there. Huh. <laughs> Funky. So... So he did that, you know, and he'd be gone for a month at a time. I was flying a crazy amount of hours and living out of Shattered, Nebraska. We saw each other about once a month. And then we thought, how are we going to do this the rest of our lives? Try to arrange these 
schedules. Oh, sure. Um, I actually had another skill, uh, graphic design. He had no other skills. <laughs> <laughs> All he knew how to do was fly airplanes. Um, and I knew somebody at Jefferson in the training department, and they said, hey, we're looking for somebody, this is the way they put it, that can think visually, but also has, uh, you know, the aviation experience. And so I took my portfolio in there, full of all my samples that literally were like covers of, you know, training manuals, because I had done those as samples and, you know, t-shirts that had flying related things on them, illustrations, and all these different samples. And I walked in there with my 4,500 hours of flying time and my 2,500 hours of uh, dual given and my portfolio. And that was it. The rest is history. Perfect job for me. Wow. I was going to say, so you started right. off in the graphics part of it, and then you've really, sounds like through the progression of your career, touched a couple of different areas within Jefferson's Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> Jefferson's do it all materials. <laughs> well, so so I actually didn't do graphic design for okay. Jefferson. I always did writing. Um oh, but okay. they wanted they wanted somebody that had that creative vision, I guess. That gotcha. could think about think about how to write a video and what to show for that video or what to show for illustrations for the books um, and right from the the piloting and instructing experience. Uh, so, you know, one of the first things I learned while I was writing videos was don't think so literally. So initially I would do things like, you know, it's like talking about a regulation or, you know, talking about 91205 equipment requirements. You know, yep. I'd literally show a picture of the regulation, <laughs> you know, and my producer at the time, um, videographer said, oh my God, that's so boring. Why are you doing that? He said, it's, you know, <laughs> you, need to, you need to show what the regulation's about. It can be glamorous. Show something glamorous. I, I actually learned along the way, even though I did have a lot of that background, the actual first video script that I wrote was for our CFI renewal program. Yeah. We don't have it anymore. We had it a long time ago. And every quarter you would get like yet in a binder, you get these uh, a printed section that was part of the renewal and you could get a video. The video was about different types of training, like transition training, mountain flying, things like that, getting a tailwheel check out, those types of things. And I remember I had five little vignettes video and each one of them had an instructor and a student and they were training for whatever that particular uh task was and and i can always write myself from the videos because i'm writing them so i wrote <laughs> that i'm starring as the instructor and one of the women of our department was the student for one just one of the five little vignettes and i took it to one of my editors at that time and said no, no, no. You can't have two women in one of these little scenarios. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he said, no, no, no. That's that's going to be too many women. And I said, well, there's every other scenario has men in them because you have you know you got two women together. But <laughs> I'm like, I I think that's I think that'll be okay. So I had to push for that. 
And I got that. And they finally said, yeah, yeah, okay, we can, we can do that. But then I wrote myself as the tailwheel instructor. And I got a lot of pushback. This is a long time ago, remember, guys. So this is, you know, they said, no, no, no. There's not going to be a woman as a tailwheel instructor. And I was like, why not? <laughs> like, oh, well, women don't fly tailwheel airplanes. And I'm like, well, I think that they do. <laughs> I, I actually didn't win that battle. They said you could you could be the student on the tailwheel, and yeah. Oh jeez. But, but women can't fly yeah. tailwheels. But you're not gonna be the instructor. So you know that that was my first kind of foray into uh, writing video. You know, like I said, that was 30 years ago, kind of right at the very beginning of some of that. And I was kind of in at the beginning of some of the you know our new way we write pilot training um one of the first things that we did with this our new series of textbooks which we call guided flight discovery we were um some of the first in the industry to put human factors in all of our content and back then the faa had their um aeronautical decision making advisory circular but they didn't have a lot of human factors in any of their content. And I actually did a bunch of research with a lot of airlines and primarily United Airlines because they were here in yep. Denver. Well, they're, they're also one of the first ones that came up with uh, what that really brought up modern CRM. And what it was back then was um, Command Leadership Resource Management, CLR. <laughs> and so... We modeled our human factors off of theirs, and I wrote it so that it would be you know, general aviation uh, applicable. And we actually wrote one of their videos for their training, for the CLR training. So we kind of shared resources. Um, and we put that in our training starting from ground zero, like the very first chapter of the private pilot textbook and syllabus, and worked all the way through with our human factors training doing it ever since. As somebody who is relatively new in aviation, I've only been in aviation for about five years now, human factors is like the thing. You know, it's, yeah, the FAA focuses a lot on it, but you look into anything, operations, accidents, you know, the way things are designed. Now it's all human factors based because, I mean, shocker, we're humans, like going into the reasonability of it. Yes, it makes complete sense. But the fact that you guys kind of spearheaded that for GA, I think that's really incredible. Yeah, oh, it's just, it seems so strange that it didn't used to be there. You know, I mean, I've been, I was, I've kind of been, for, for our curriculum, I've been the human factors forever. I mean, I was the one that did the initial research with United. Um, uh, you know, I was the one that wrote the, you know, 5P checklists and all that. I, I You know, that's all my content throughout the years i was always the you know, assigned human factors content um initially our very first uh you know books when we started this new series to guide flight discovery uh like the private pilot textbook i wrote with another um writer mike abbott and so i edited his half and he edited my half and then with the other books Mike and I were editors and writers, and there were some more people involved with writing. And then over the years, and I'll, you know, I'll be blunt about this, Boeing didn't quite understand what we had with the GA training, their, their airline training, their big airplane training. And so they um, were not continuing to support 
that that training department. And so if people um, got laid off or they left for other jobs or they got promoted, they didn't replace them. And so over the years, uh, it, it started to be less and less people working on these to the point where now it's just me um, for 30 some products. And the last revisions we did on the curriculum, I did those alone with a graphic designer. So I was the sole writer. I really wrote about three quarters of the private pilot textbook, syllabus, movers. I really did practical test study guide. Um, uh, in 2021, I wrote a, a great portion of our instrument commercial textbook, syllabus, that whole curriculum. So we are now just starting to support these products again. So I literally have three people coming in tomorrow, three new writers, oh my God, that I have to train and teach. <laughs> wow, people in your department again, Liz. <laughs> I've got a pretty specific question. With your lineage with, with Jeppesen, you've been there for a long time. Has there been a point where it could have gone either way? You could have stuck with curriculum development versus going to videos and, and writing your own scripts for videos. Has there has there been kind of like a tipping point of one over the other where you kind of saw yourself? I've got to do so many different things working, just writing the pilot training. So as I was talking about, I, I initially started, I mean, actually the very, very first thing that I did when I worked at Jefferson, I wrote the airport qual charts. So, you know, the, where you have to have the special qualifications to fly into Telluride or Hong Kong yep. or whatever. I actually wrote those charts, looked for those photos, did all the research for those. Then I did videos. I've written training. I've written training, literally, I've written some of the FAA content. Um, I've done print content, I've done online content, I do uh, all the videos, like our maneuvers videos, I fly all those, I narrate all those, um, I've written training for Everett, I've written training for Sears, I've written training for Diamond, so I've done like I do a tremendous variety within the training department. I have never wanted to go outside of that. I actually was offered management positions um, several times. And I would always ask, well, how much of my time is going to actually be managing people and how much of my time will be writing content? I said, well, about 80% of your time will be managing people and about 20% will be writing content. And I like, mm -hmm. no, no, I don't want to do that. I, I want, I want to write the content. And I've been really fortunate that the content I've written has been, there's been a huge variety. It's been it's it's been a wild ride. I've got to do so many different things. When we had the CFI renewal program, it was you know, and if you were like the first person when you got hired at Jefferson in the training department, you were the person that had to man or woman up the CFI the CFI hotline. Um, little, little cell phone with the with the name Smee on the side. <laughs> yeah, and you know, people flight instructors would call in and ask questions, and you know, and. What was what we I'd learned from that is that you don't need to answer right away, meaning think about it. I always felt like, oh my God, they're calling and asking me a question. I need to say something right away. Nine times out of ten, you're going to say something wrong. So a lot of times you'd say, okay, listen, I need to look that up. I'll, you know, I'm going to call you back. Um, and super interesting. I also used to assign people 
for our CFI renewal program, I got a certification that I could sign their certificates. There were CFI certificates that they renewed. And I had a guy call the CFI hotline one day and he was arguing with me. He was arguing with me about maneuver rates. And he was saying, I don't agree that maneuver rate speed increases when weight increases. And I'm trying to explain all their dynamics to him. And he'd call me like almost every day and start faxing me things. You know, that's what we had faxes. He'd fax me these things. He'd like, oh, no, I don't know. You know, I don't agree with that. I'm like, okay. I don't think he quite knew who he was talking to. And at one point in time, I said, you know, I said something that that he kind of knew I was you know, a flight instructor, which I think he must have known. I don't know why they wouldn't have a flight instructor manning the hotline. But um, he said he said something to me about that he had damaged his airplane. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't sound good. You know, that he'd overstressed it. I think that's why he was so adamant to argue about the home hearing speed thing. And he said, is that your name on my certificate? <laughs> I said, yes. And I think all of a sudden he thought I'm from the FAA. And he's like, <laughs> hey, you know that stuff, you know that stuff I've said about maneuvering speed? Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last I heard from him. So, Liz, clearly you've been with Jefferson for a long time and you've been doing all sorts of things, all really, really cool training stuff. Have you seen the progression from um, the early days when you first started with it and the advancements that you saw in things like videos and um, the computer-based courses when those started to become a thing and mobile apps and the stuff that you guys are kind of planning for the future? I know that's a loaded question, but... Yeah, so, I mean, we started, you know, we started with videos and they were VHS tapes um and then they were DVDs um and then we were we were kind of told at one point in time print's dead nobody's gonna want books anymore everything needs to go online you know everything everything needs to be an online course um actually print has not died and print is still our biggest seller which is interesting um we do have online courses they were based on our print material uh Right now, they're out of date. Right now, we're updating them. Um, the reason they haven't been updated sooner is because there's only one of me. It was interesting that it didn't immediately progress. Our nobody wants print, and everybody wants an ebook. We just all of our print books are in ebooks, but print, where somebody can hold it in their hands, is still the most popular. Our online course is definitely going a different direction. Way more interactive. The way we're teaching things now is use of flight apps like that and like hunting apps like for flight efb um and so you know that's going into our training i think it's going to evolve to be um you know more tablet based with the training in combination with things like for flight um but it's surprising that it hasn't changed as much as you would think it would change because people still want People still want textbooks. Um, so you'd have trouble you know, signing my ebook. So yeah, I want a physical textbook. Therapy <laughs> well, ran across the face of your iPad. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, you're right. And scientifically, there have been studies done on this. The way that you scan and read a physical page is different than the way you scan and read a digital page. So while digital resources are great, it's awesome being able to just search the far aim like 
by keyword. Oh my gosh, brilliant. But if you want to read something and really comprehend it, the physical book, that's how you do it. Correct. I mean, I well, I, I, I didn't read that fact, but what you're saying is I think that that is, um, you know, reality for so many people. They like the physical book. There is a personal attachment that people have to this light training textbooks. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. and I've just, discovered that by going to Oshkosh and people literally having me sign their books and taking my picture. <laughs> and I, and I didn't used to, I didn't used to go to Oshkosh because I was always the one that was writing and I was kind of chained to my desk, you know, writing. And I always had a deadline. And at one point in time, they said, Hey, we really need somebody that knows these products inside and out to go to Oshkosh and talk about them. Um, and that was a huge, uh, surprise to me of the feelings that people had about these books and you know when they would meet me and they would say oh my god you know you wrote this your name is in this book and i'm like yeah, yeah. here's my picture too and oh here's my son's picture the the new versions of these i'm you know i'm right up in the primary writer and editor i've kind of been the primary writer and editor all along um of most of these that was super cool to see the impact i guess that they had our customers the way customers felt about the books. And I think you don't get that with a, a digital book. <laughs> no. I, I know that it's it's a much more visual generation and as far as what kind of content they go after, short format visual content. So how how do you change or modify your products then to grasp that audience? So one of the things that we're doing, like with our online content, is it's more interactive. It's not, um, you know, sitting and listening, passively listening to a narrator the whole time. So a lot of it's not narrated and, you know, you're picking and choosing things that you want to look at. Um, another thing that we worked on, and this is one of the things that we worked on for Emirates, because that was a completely different audience. Um, you know, the people that were going to Emirates Flight Training Academy uh, are starting out wanting to be professional pilots and going into it with more of, I am proud to be an Emirati. And that's part of my motivation is that, you know, that I'm going to fly for Emirates airline. And that's, that's more my motivation. And so one of the things we started doing is what we call, um, the flipped classroom or blended learning. So you, while students outside of the classroom do some of the, that basic core um and we will kind of get rid of some of the fluff with that core training whether it be online or in the textbook and then when they go to the classroom uh we've created a lot of activities for them and challenges and things to do to engage them and apply that core knowledge so the classroom isn't just a lecture anymore uh and so for example uh maybe a like a challenge that you would have you divide up into teams and kind of doing a tag team thing where you have to write down all the required equipment for 91205 and you know each person is running up to a board and writing that down and what you're doing is you know the first team that finishes you know gets the points maybe you add up those points throughout for entire semester of training or during different activities like that. What that does is it motivates them to learn that material because they're going to show up in class and there's going to be some kind of activity. There's going to be some kind of challenge. You have to work with the other students 
Um, and so that provides a motivator just to learn the material. So those are some of the things that we're doing to kind of tackle that different audience aren't necessarily going to sit down and, well, read about the Wright brothers all the way up through the space program and be so motivated to, to get into their textbook every day. Um, they're providing that motivation to show up to class and know that information so they can apply it in a more interactive way. Sure. So here's an interesting thing. I, I don't know you guys were probably going to get to this at some point in time, but I know that, uh, you know, in the in the email you sent, you were talking about um, asking people their, what was it, an opinion thing about... Um, oh, yeah. That's a popular aviation yeah. opinion. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so my thing um, is kind of along the lines of what we're talking about, and it's it has to do with there's a certain amount of people that literally still want to be taught just to the test. What is on the knowledge test? Yeah. That's it. I don't care about I don't care about the factors. I don't care. They they consider some of the stuff that I would consider primary things that are must knowledge. Um, but if they're not on the, the the knowledge test itself, they consider that fluff. They consider that extra. Um, so they're not going to be the people that want to read through an entire textbook and learn how to apply a lot of these concepts. They just want to know what's on the test. Um, and that is not a, not a, a great trend. And one of the things that Jefferson has always prided themselves on is we're providing an education. We are not a test prep company. That is not what we do. Do Amen. we? Do we help prepare you for the knowledge test? Absolutely. Yes. Make sure that we cover all that material? Absolutely. But we're our goal is to make you a safe, effective, competent pilot, not just to prep you for a test. And that is something that sometimes we have to explain to, to schools and individuals who say, well, why is there so much in this textbook? This is, this is overwhelming. And that is primary and that is kind of our our mission and one of the things i've discovered interestingly enough i teach i teach an aerospace class to middle schoolers i volunteer one of the things i've learned from that class is that that's kind of you know it's part of the education system that that kids have started to get that feeling of hey i don't need to know that if it's not going to be on a test um yeah and yeah. one of the things that our program does, it's, it's called an enrichment program. It's an aerospace enrichment class that I teach. And one of the goals of that program is to teach kids to learn things purely for the joy of learning. No, this isn't, they're not going to get test on, you know, flying the first powered airplane. They're not going to get tested on Newton's three laws. I'm not testing them on any of that. I want them to learn it because it's cool. And they're going to learn about rockets, and they're you know they're going to learn about airplanes, and we're going to we're going to launch Estes rockets, and we're going to take a tour to the airport, and and you know people will say, well, why do they need to know that? Well, they don't absolutely need to know that, but it's they're learning it for the pure joy. It's not something that is on the test, and so I guess that's kind of one of my pet peeves of being in education for so long. And it's, you know, whether it's training pilots or whether it's training, you know, 
teaching the aerospace enrichment. Um, I, I, I want people to truly feel like they want to learn things, the joy of learning, um, to receive an education, to be a well-rounded person, and for a pilot, like I said, to be a very safe, effective, comprehensive pilot and not just learn things for the sake of it's going to be on the test. I'm out of questions, you guys. I have one more question, and it's short. Liz, will you be at Oshkosh this year? Yes, I will be at Oshkosh this year. Okay. That is all. I will probably probably (laughs) be giving more presentations. I think they want me to give a presentation. Awesome. Well, as somebody who attended the presentation last year, go to it. It's really good. Uh, and, and I think they're going to try to promote that stuff more too. Good. I think. Well, Liz, thank you so much again for for coming on the podcast for for your first podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're honored. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you guys. So Good. I really appreciate it. Well, we'd love to have you on again sometime. We could have an Oshkosh recap or something. Well, thank you again <laughs> so very much for your time. We greatly yes, appreciate thank you, Liz. it. All right. I'm so glad this finally worked out. This is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a good night. Have a good night. Bye. 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 Liz, thank you so much for joining us. We really loved having you on the podcast, and we hope to maybe have you back on again soon. I hope so. I really like to listen to her talk about her experience with Jepson and all the great things they do there. So, and what they're going to do in the future. That sounds exciting. Very exciting. All right, Jim, who's coming up next on the Fly Midwest podcast? Our next episode will feature Tyler Lauer from UND Aerocast fame. So he's currently a pilot with Sun Country Airlines, but he had a lot to do with the Aerocast program during COVID at UND, and he talks to us all about that in our next episode. Looking forward to it. Catch our merch on flyingmidwest.com forward slash merch. We've got some cool new hot items. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we've got a lot of cool new stuff that we've just put on the site. So if you're a uh, crew neck person or a hoodie guy, we've got something for you. Yeah. And if you checked out my content at all in the last week or so, I posted some photos and some video of the new merchandise. So hope you'll check that out and rock your Fly Midwest podcast merchandise at all your events this summer so you can spread the word about this awesome podcast. If it helps, my dad bought a shirt and he really liked it. So... A plus. Maddie's dad approves. You heard it here first. <laughs> he does listen to the podcast. So, Dad, thank you for supporting us and getting a shirt. And you look awesome in it. Thank and you, Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> Final reminder, because you've probably been listening to the podcast and doing other things, go support us on Patreon. We're going to have that exclusive content and fun things headed your way. And if you are a higher tier, there may be some surprises as well. <laughs> Dan. Okay. So a big thank you to our supporters. A couple of patrons are going to get a shout out on this episode. We have the Burns Bug Blender from Burns, Kansas. He is in the flight levels if you'd like to join him at that level of support. And we have good old Badger Pilot, patron number one. Thanks, guys, for your support. And if you like what we're doing with the Flying Midwest Podcast, you can send us an email at flyingmidwestpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to be a guest, you can reach out to us there as well. Or you can reach out on any of our social media accounts. And until next time. See ya. See ya. Flightshed 536, contact Minneapolis Center 132.35 today. Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day.
Hello, Maddie. Hi, Jim. And hello to everyone in the... Oh, God bless America. We're four <laughs> words into this, and I messed it up already. That's going in the loop, right? It is. That, I, hit, you I, hit had an it. I hit an ah, uh, and then I just go off the rails. Okay. You know, I just delete some of those, right? You can uh all you want. I know, but uh, after that, I my brain just, like, stops, and it's like, eh, like hitting a brick wall like this. Okay. Maddie, if you want to be an airline pilot, you got to get your uhs in order. I uh, know. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Liz Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> Growing into something very exciting. Like germs. Sorry, I just, I said growing up. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm sorry. Imagine a petri dish of aerospace knowledge, if you will. <laughs> for those of us that are flying around the Midwest, it's currently nesting and mating season for geese. So there will, but will, will be, will, oh. I, quit laughing, Maddie. The hours of this event will be 9 a.m., until they tell you to leave. I can't see the time. Here we go. Can you guys save me if I start, like, blathering on like an idiot? I feel like I've done that a couple times You've been evening. doing that for months, and I haven't been able to stop you yet, so why would today be... Jim, any... please help. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. All right. Hey, you got the... a question. I do. Oh, I have lots of questions. But I have one in particular that I can ask right now. Hold on. I want to make sure that I, I don't biff it. Um, I can ask right now, but hold on. Yeah, right <laughs> now. Okay. <laughs> Trust me, I wanted to, at Oshkosh, I would keep coming up to her and been like, I just want to talk to her more. <laughs> I could talk to her for hours. I was such a nerd. Sorry, That's Liz. why she has a restraining order. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah. I feel like every time I say something, you just say, yeah. 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 Yeah, duh, Maddie. No, the one time I said absolutely. Okay, you say affirmatives. <laughs> no, this is going to be terrible. No, Maddie, you're wrong. This sucks. Shut up. <laughs> Did you want me to actually do that? Didn't you say the, we the had a turbo fan? Woo, that part? Woo, woo, woo. No, yes, no. Yes, I wanted you to do that. It will be... Thanks to our Patreons, blah, 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 blah. And then you go, final reminder, patrons, blah, 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 blah. Schools of content, etc., etc. Join et the ranks of nerds who support us. Yeah, I'll put that in there too. 